John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a great start of the gospel of John. And then it goes in and follows up with so much of uh, Jesus' miraculous work. And I think about when Peter, who followed Jesus, was having a, a message in Caesarea Philippi, and he, he was preaching to the Gentiles. This was after Cornelius and the crew came over, and for a period of time, Peter understood that he needed to share the gospel, and it, was, it could spill over from the Jewish people to the non-Jewish people. And uh, he gets up and he makes this statement, after all these people have been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he opens his mouth, and in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, he's opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting with Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. Now let me just say this. The people in, in the early part of the book of Acts, they knew what had happened in Judea and in Galilee and what had happened. Jesus, the word made flesh, had come into the world and had brought help and hope and life to a fallen uh, world. In verse 38 he said, and you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now let's look at this verse, because this verse is for anybody that's following Jesus and wants this experience to be seamless from Jesus' earthly ministry to the early church in the, in the book of Acts, and then onward into our lifetime. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the word made flesh, and he has given us his word, and he has put this in our lives so we could carry on. And I wasn't gonna read this, wasn't included in my notes, but this verse makes perfect sense in this moment. Second Corinthians chapter four, because I think about how lost I was and how blind I was and how disinterested in God I was. 
And yet I had a sense that there was a God and I had a respect for God and I was taught to be respectful toward God and not dismissive of God and to, and to be respectful, but yet I didn't know him. But yet a light came. And uh, here's what it says in, John, in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it says here in verse 3, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, the small g God of this world, that would be the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So these mind-blinding spirits, are, their specialty is to blind people and block them from seeing who Jesus is, what Jesus has, what his capabilities are, what his inclinations are, what is his, his, he's moved with compassion, that he is, he is absolutely the rescuer. He's the only mediator between God and men, but people are blind to that. In fact, the Bible says earlier in Corinthians that the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. What Jesus did on the cross, you know, other people died, two other people were dying on crosses at the same time. They did crucifixions all the time. That was their method of uh, execution. They were wicked. It was, Roman culture was evil. They were sophisticated and wicked. And they, they even built a Colosseum just so they could kill people in it. It was a blood sport environment. And it was crazy. They were crazy, crazed with sin. And they were also blinded by the God of this world. And then it says here, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So Paul was saying, you know, our message isn't about us. It's not about our agenda. We come and we go, we come and we go, but it's about Jesus. And he said, for God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Can you say that? Light shall shine out of darkness. Look at this. Is the one who has shown in our hearts to give, look at this, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have treasure on the inside of our human lives so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Can I hear an amen? amen. Say this with me. I have, I have treasure in my earthen vessel. Now, you have an earth suit. You have a human body. In fact, even in this town from Greenville College, a band formed back in the 90s called Jars of Clay. And they got that from this verse. They realized they're jars of clay. And that'll keep you humble. That'll crucify your ego. And they actually had some great songs. And they did a great job. And if you know any of them, tell them I said hi. But, but I, I want to just tell you, I know some earthen vessels. I know some jars of clay. That you, in fact, I, we, as believers, have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That the, the glory would be and go to God. And this is, in fact, what I want to get over to you. Peter said, you guys heard about what happened in Judea and Galilee. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I mean, that is such a mouthful. That is such a dynamic 
verse that, you know, I think it, it, it's important for us to spend the rest of our lives watching that and following Jesus from village to village. And just so we can say, we know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Listen, Jesus only does good. And in Luke 19, one through 10, Zacchaeus, the businessman, climbed the sycamore tree so he could get a, a, a glimpse at Jesus and his life was forever changed from that one encounter. Blind Bartimaeus in a similar situation, physically blind, in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And God brought sight to his blind eyes. A lady from Syria, a Syrophoenician woman, had a daughter that was uh, de demon-possessed, and Jesus cast the demon out of her and set her free in Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. The leper, the man with leprosy, said, Jesus, if, if, you can, if you're willing, will you heal me? And he said, I'm willing. In Matthew 8, 2, 1 through 10, he said, be healed, be cleansed. Later on, the centurion was standing there, the Roman soldier responsible for over 80 people, uh, said, hey, my servant is at home sick. Jesus said, I'll go to your house. He said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. And in another gospel, they, they introduced him uh, and said, this is uh, someone who built a synagogue for us Jews, and he is worthy. But this guy was humble. He said, no, I am not worthy. I'm not worthy for you to even come to my house. But just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. That's good enough for me. And that Jesus commended him, gave him one of the greatest commendations in the Bible. He said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And I think part of it was he was not under the law. Part of it was he was humble. Part of it was he was compassionate about his servant, but the best part of it was he recognized Jesus, the word made flesh, came into town. And when love came into town, it was gonna change everything. He had been watching, he just saw the leper get healed. He just saw the crowds follow Jesus when Jesus came down off the mountain. And this Roman soldier, this secular, humanistic, hedonistic idolater, is having an encounter with this Jewish Messiah. He's already respectful to the people that he is actually uh, in, uh, occupied, he's occupying their country. And he's actually, he represents oppression, but he doesn't wanna be an oppressor because he's using his own money to build a synagogue for the Jews. So he's showing respect and love for the people that he's, he's actually a servant. And not only that, is he cares about his servant. And there's a real power when we can humble ourselves and move and cooperate with those kinds of dynamics because it will increase the potential for signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, Jay Iris, who was a synagogue official, his daughter was a 12-year-old girl was sick and dying. And he said, please come and help me. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He didn't care about his prestige. He didn't care about humbling himself. He didn't care about his ego. He wanted his daughter healed. Jesus said, I'm, I'm on my way. So on his way, a woman with a hemorrhage saw and recognized her moment, said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Why did she say that? Why did she think that? Because there were, there were signs, wonders, and miracles happening all around. Jesus' word was being confirmed. Jesus' message was being confirmed. And he still confirms his word with signs and wonders. Why did the Roman Empire get so struck by this? Because of the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. Because they were seeking after signs. The Greeks seek for knowledge. The 
Jews seek for signs. People, it's a crooked and perverse generation seeking after signs. Yet God provides these signs and wonders. The greatest sign is that Jesus rose from the dead. In Mark chapter 5, it talked about the demoniac of Gadara and how his life got changed. And he went to a place called Decapolis, which is a 10-city area, a big county with 10 cities. And uh, history bears out that he became a leader there after he got delivered from demons, from legion. Uh, the paralytic with his four friends in Mark chapter 2 in Capernaum. And they had to tear the roof off the building. And Jesus saw their faith when he, they lowered their friend in. You know, in recent days in this church, on Friday nights, we've had visitors come in with back injuries and they've been, they've been healed. And I know some of you have been battling a back injury and you would love to get healed. Well, you're, I believe God for healing for you as well. And we, you know, as believers, we see sometimes how did a, a brand new person or an unbeliever get instantly healed? And why is it such a stubborn situation for me? That's a good question. We get to heaven, we'll have some of those answers. But all I know is that God's word is true and we're gonna continue to stand for his promises. And in fact, this atmosphere is, is saturated with the healing power of God and we ought to be expecting it at any given moment. Zacchaeus got turned around. Bartimaeus' eyes got opened. The Syrophoenician's daughter got delivered. The leper had his leprosy cleansed. The centurion's servant popped out of his bed. Peter's mother-in-law got up and served. And you see the man with a withered hand in Mark chapter 3, verse 1, when Jesus, it was his custom to preach in the synagogue, and he was there preaching, and the man was there. That's all he did. There, you know, he, he was there with a withered hand and he, he just showed up. Sometimes you just need to just show up. These last two notable miracles, people just showed up. When, when the lady said she'd never been to a church like this and this other guy was from out of town. And this is in fact what I'm trying to tell you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this, this knowing, we know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And then he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you see how this ties in? And that God, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says to the disciples, go therefore. And we're disciples in this modern time and there is still such a need for healing. Uh, I don't think there was COVID-19 back in Bethlehem. It might've been COVID-1. But Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease. I'm certain there were stomach conditions and there were cancers and there were heart problems. And we hear about leprosy. We hear about blind eyes. We hear about demon possession. And we see that Jesus, he said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all, look at this, who were oppressed by the devil. Now that's pretty emphatic. Sickness is oppression from the devil. And the reason that th things happened was because God was with him. In the beginning was the word. Look here, when Jesus started his earthly ministry, you can see in Luke chapter four, when he returned from being tempted by the devil for 40 days in the wilderness with the, all the it is written where he quoted the scriptures to combat the darkness and the unbelief. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. He found the scripture in Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to set free those who are oppressed. See, Jesus came to set free those who are, oppre are oppressed. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, we're told by the Apostle Paul that the love of Christ is to control or constrain us so that we're actually called by God to walk in a flow similar to what Jesus modeled where he was moved with compassion. Jesus wasn't going out and performing miracles as a performance orientation, as a show-off. He was moved with compassion. Two things, he wanted to please God and he wanted to help the hurting people. This was his drive and that's to be our drive. And the Lord will help us to execute that in these upcoming days. There's never been a better time to be a Christian informed by these realizations than now. There's never been a better time for you and me to be alive, be the age we are, be in the station in life we're in than what we're in right now. We've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And we are the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. See, John wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. But yet, in that was prior to redemption. He was, one of the, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he was like the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets because he heralded the coming of the Messiah. And yet, listen, we are now in a situation where Jesus actually calls us the light of the world. He commanded that light would shine out of the dark in the darkness, and he's the one who has put that investment on the inside of each one of us, and this is really what I want to land on right now. And in fact, I want to go back to Acts chapter 3 because here's an example of the continuation of the ministry that Jesus had begun. Acts chapter 3, you read after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, people were hearing the gospel, and miracles were taking place. Peter and John, who were the two uh, witnesses with the women at the empty tomb with the stone rolled away, John outran Peter because he was younger and faster. And I'm sure Peter doesn't like it that that's, you know, we'd still talk about that. But anyway, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. That's three o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody say the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. There are a lot of gates in Jerusalem to this day. They have different names. And this was called the beautiful gate in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. The last, time, last two times I was in Israel, they're still begging alms in these locations. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. In other words, I don't have anything on me right now. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Naz the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap. He stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Everybody say, walking and leaping and praising God. That's way better than lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Say it with me, ready? Walking and leaping and praising God. How many of you think that's better than lions or tigers and bears, oh my? Because right now, 
Society is saying, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But God is actually looking for a breed of people that will be deployed in this moment of darkness and carry this awareness. And this is the key. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That, that you know part was stated earlier when he said, you know what happened in Galilee and Judea. You've heard the news. The, the centurion heard the news. This is what's similar with all. Zacchaeus heard about Jesus. That's why he had to see him. The, the leper heard about Jesus. The woman heard about Jesus. And she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. Faith came by hearing about Jesus. The biblical Jesus. Not the diminished, anemic, unsubstantial Jesus, but the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords Jesus. Not the pale, uh, bland, beige, neutral, numb, dumbed down, nothing gospel, but this gospel that holds to a form of godliness and also acknowledges the power thereof. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm always from this position trying to figure out what, what would you have us do in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, our uttermost parts. Jerusalem is this specific location you and I, we live in. Judea would be the bi-state area. Samaria, the, the, the nation. The uttermost parts of the world would comprise everywhere else. We've got to have a global vision to bring this living Jesus that has these amazing manifestations into these, these broken, hurting situations wherever we go. And I love this example in Acts chapter 3. And we're going to finish up in this place right here. There was a divine flow very similar to what happened when the woman with the hemorrhage touched the hem of his garment. There was a divine flow when Jesus got into the room and Jairus' daughter was raised up. He said, Talitha kumai, which means damsel rise up, and she rose up. But that was an intentional, specific going in and ministering healing to Jairus' daughter that he was aware of. The other one was intentional on the part of the receiver. Jesus didn't even know who touched him. And when Peter and John were going to pray, they didn't target this guy. They were targeting going at 3 p.m. to go pray. And they didn't have, they weren't even ready to give alms to people because they didn't have any money on them. They said, we don't have any gold and silver, but what we do have, we'll give. And this is what the church, Jesus wants us to understand that we know Jesus has this. And this is what we need to understand that he has invested and embedded in us. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. These, and, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming his word with signs following. So this is exactly what's being advocated here in the Old and New Testament. From the beginning to the end, the creator, the redeemer, the healer, has always provided for his people like a nurturing father. He even said like a, like a mother hen, he wanted to gather Jerusalem like, like, their, like the chicks. You watch in the animal kingdom how... Even birds can, you know, real sweet little songbirds can become fierce when it comes to protecting their young. And God uses that as imagery to imprint on us how serious he is about and how caring and loving he is about his creation. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus 
And he loves the world so much that he sent us back into this world to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, and to trust him for this continuation of Jesus' ministry all the way through to the end. We need to trust God tonight for uh, sensibility and sensitivity. How many times has God wanted to use us and we didn't read the moment or we got bombarded or we got under attack or we got distracted? And that's what, in fact, the devil's trying to do right now. But there are people that are out here in the world that need what we have. And there are some supernatural things God wants to do through each and every one of us. And I reckon we ought to just believe God for it tonight. And I'll tell you, this guy got blessed by Peter and John because he was walking and leaping and praising God. And uh, it was exciting. It was an encounter with some wide awake people that realized who Jesus, they knew who Jesus was and they also knew what they had. Did you know you have treasure in your earthen vessel? Did you know that you have something called the anointing of the Holy Spirit? That as a believer, that God has uh, bestowed upon each and every one so that we can carry on uh, his work. And he said, these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. And I, I'm sending the Holy Spirit upon all flesh so that we will see not just uh, uh, rhetoric and not just verbiage and not just um, the persuasive words of wisdom, but actually the demonstration of the Spirit and power so that people's faith won't just rest on the wisdom of men, but it rather will rest on the power of God. And he's not weak toward us, but he's mighty in us. And I realize you go through battles and you, go, you get disappointed in yourself and you deal with the, the, your thought life and you deal with the sophisticated bombardment that, that is basically designed to neutralize us, distract us, and pull us out of the game. But it's, this is a moment where, you know, the reason I'm preaching is to get you back in the, in the fight, get you in focus, get you to realize while you're driving down the road and you get prompted to pray, turn off your radio and pray. You feel led to make a contact to somebody, go ahead and pray about it and form the words. Now we have tech, texting technology. You can sit there and you can edit it yourself and go back. To, and I'm glad I always go and look back at it because I leave words out and stuff and I got to spell them right, get the grammar right. But here's what we, we've got to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. There are people that are discouraged that need a word of encouragement. There are people that are sick that need a prayer of faith. There are people that are lost that just said, God, if you're real, show me. This is Missouri, the show me state. And people are that kind of matter of fact here. And uh, they're, they're like, hey, look, I'll believe it if, you know, I get some, you know, get, give, me some, give me some proof. Well, Jesus' resurrection was accompanied with many infallible proofs. And when Peter preached, he said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So you wanna increase results, increase stepping out in faith and sharing the gospel. You wanna see more people saved? Share the gospel with more people. You wanna see more people healed? Pray the prayer of faith over more people. Be bold. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't wait around for a feeling. 
Don't wait around for a surge of a gift. When we know that when we pray, God answers prayer, we should covet those gifts and they will come as we desire them earnestly. But this is, in fact, what I wanted to get over to you tonight. And I want to close with this essential kind of layout. How many of you want to see more miracles and more signs and wonders flow in and through your life? Okay, well, first of all, I want to tell you, fellowship with God because he is miraculous. Spend time with God. Spend time fellowshipping with him. Get out in the yard. Look up at the stars before you go to bed tonight. It won't be too cold. Hopefully there's no cloudiness and you can look up and you can see Mars. It's, it's closer than it'll be in 15 years, apparently. It's beautiful. The moon is waning. It was full uh, last weekend. Now it's kind of, it's waning. You can enjoy it. It'll be gone. You can see the stars even better. Just get out there and just talk to the God that created the stars and fellowship with him. Laugh with him. Cry with him. Talk to him. Number two, read your Bible. It documents the miraculous. Spend time studying about the miracles. I just pulled a book out of my library from the 1930s. All the miracles in the Bible. It's really, really good. But read your Bible. Read it. Get as much as you can out of it. Study it to see if these things are so. Look and investigate what I just shared with you. Have these things ceased? Have they passed? Are the, are the day, is the day of miracles over? Check it out whether it is or not. I am absolutely convinced there was no day of miracles. There's a God of miracles, and he never changes. And there's always a critical need for the miraculous. Pray about it every day. Every day, just say, God, here am I. Use me. God, I'm, I'm open to you. Help me to be sensitive to you. And in fact, number four, stay open to God's dealings and God's leadership. Sometimes we miss, we get so into the, the sensational, we miss the supernatural. I've seen people get so caught up in the, the, the hysterics of a thing, they miss the subtlety of a thing. And actually, a lot of these miraculous things that took place in the book of Acts occurred in the midst of just going from one thing to another, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of uh, you know, times when it wasn't exactly ideal or optimized. Uh, and so if we wait around for everything to buy, be ideal and to be optimal, we'd just be standing around waiting around. So the, in, in the context we're in, it's good. God will help us and God will anoint us because he's called us to... Uh, to bring life to the hurting people. He's called us out of darkness to show forth this marvelous light. So stay open to God's leadership. Uh, trust God to, to show you where to go, who to talk to, which restaurant to dine outside or pick up curbside at, you know, whatever, however, however it plays out. Number five, value and honor yourself. Value and honor yourself. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knows very well. And I realize we don't want to be egotists and I realize we don't want to be prideful and I realize we don't want to be arrogant and I realize that we should not be haughty. I realize that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm paid for by the, by the blood of Jesus. I'm made in God's image. I'm a, I have this treasure in an earthen vessel and I just need to be have a healthy outlook on that. that, that I, I, see, tr biblical self-esteem is actually healthy because you just value who you are based on what Jesus says about you. There are other kinds of self-esteem where you're like, I'm God's gift, I'm the most amazing thing. 
you're privileged to have me around, and it's all arrogance, and we don't want to, and Christians realize we shouldn't have that, but did you realize we also shouldn't be so self-deprecating and, and be so uh, groveling that we never step up? God wants us actually to be spiritually confident. Does that make sense? Everybody say, I am loved by God. Look at somebody next to you and say, God loves me and I love me and that's the way it's going to be. You know what it sounded like? Everybody say, walking and leaping and praising God. Here's one of the key things. Love others. Jesus was moved with compassion. Listen, I've seen some of the greatest miracles take place in my life when I connected with how God felt about the situation in somebody's life. I, I would look at them, and instead of judging them, I'd think, man, that is a terrible battle to have to fight. Or, man, that must be, that, they must be going through something. This will help you to, to not get uh, critical or judgmental of people that are uh, uh, annoying or obnoxious. I would say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, was bugging the disciples so much they were telling them to shut up. And it didn't bug Jesus, so Jesus saw past it, and he saw, he's, you know, no, 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 don't stop, don't stop him. Go find out what he needs. They said, arise, be of good cheer. The master wants to talk to you. You know, from one minute, they're like, shut up. You know, and they didn't get it. And Jesus is like, man, this is why I'm here. And they said, what, what can I do for you? He could have said, you know, I've been having a stomach ache for three days, and Jesus would have laid hands on his stomach, and he would have gone back to, to begging for alms. But he said, oh, that I would receive my sight. And he got his eyes healed, and he immediately followed Jesus. And I, I, I actually feel like I personally know Bartimaeus because I've read it so much, and I've listened to that, and I can almost hear him yelling, have mercy on me. And, you know, general, he's generalizing, please, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus says, get specific. And I want to tell you, generally, people need mercy, and specifically, people need you to carry the love of Jesus into their world with confident, bold faith, motivated by love. Jesus, you could do a study. Look it up in your concordance. Compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. And you can ask my wife and my family, I am not sentimental, and I hate the commercials where they play somber violin, minor key music, they show dogs with, you know, bloated bellies, and they show, you know, people with, it's like, I'm, I'm not given to that. They're manipulating me. I'm not given to that. You're manipulating me. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. I will be moved with compassion. I love to give, but you're not going to mess with me on this sympathy thing, because that's, you're playing with my emotions. You're trying to trick me into action. Well, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit often will lead us to help in those areas. The righteous care for his beast, but the unrighteous has no such concern. So, uh, I mean, actually humane people, I mean, if you look in history, the child labor laws were changed by General and Mrs. Booth from the Salvation Army because kids were working in the match factories and getting uh, sick from the sulfur and the chemicals from the matches when they were seven, eight years old. And they, as Christians, went in and said, hey, this has to change. Baptist pastor Martin Luther King Jr. didn't like the whole segregation craziness and did something about it in a loving way and brought meaningful change. That, that actually worked because it was motivated by love. When things are done in love, it can, it can and also humane, humane toward animals and taking good care of the earth. These things are not a clash 
with Christianity. They actually emanate from biblical Christianity. You hear that? And I'm not getting into all kinds of social causes. I'm telling you, when you follow Jesus and follow out his word and let everything you do be done in love, it will increase the potential for the miraculous. And lastly, uh, step out in faith and trust God that he will use you. Step out in faith. In fact, that's Peter and John. They fix their gaze on him. This is so real for me that I've actually noticed God prompts me this way, where I'll often be out in a place and there'll be a connection with somebody and God will prompt me. I was with Taylor at a restaurant a couple of days ago and two guys were sitting there. It was uh, Wednesday, two days ago. And I was in line and my radar went off. And, and not for this guy, but for this guy. And I, God began to speak to me and reveal some stuff to me while I was ordering my, uh, my barbecue. And I was trying to pick my sides. And then God was having me, God was having me while I was picking my sides. <laughs> God, was, God was wanting me to address this, so I just knew. So we had, I had a mask on. They were eating. They, you know, in California, you have to put your mask on in between bites. But, you know, they, had, they didn't have a mask on. But so I, I just knew I had a moment. And it's just usually pretty quick. Like with this, this guy, he, they fixed their gaze on him. And they, they said, look at us. And then he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And that is a key to the supernatural. I noticed this at Northwest Plaza years ago when Chelsea was a little bitty baby. And there were a bunch of young people walking by. It's before it all closed down and fell apart due to bad decisions. But there, there were a bunch of kids walking by. And the Lord quickened me and gave me an idea. I said, hey, you guys, have you heard the good news? And they no, what is it? And I said, Jesus, and I could feel like their hearts were like, they had like saloon doors on hinges and they were going really fast, closing. And I said, Jesus, as soon as I said Jesus, they started to harden. And I said, loves you. And then the door closed. And one guy got real mad and walked off. And I thought, well, what just happened was the seed got sown before it could completely close. And now they're just going to have to deal with it. Same thing in the restaurant. I said, hey, Jesus loves you. I got it right in. I'm not advocating that we be obnoxious and creep people out at restaurants and interrupt people. But I'm also saying don't hold back. Because we actually are in de we're debtors. And we're, we're responsible to carry this message. And yet, listen, guys. Last time I checked, society really needs help right now, right now. And there are people that are lame at the gate beautiful and don't even know they are. And um, God's anointing, God's empowerment is on you to make a meaningful difference in people's lives. Let's all stand up on our feet. People are hurting. We got to help them. All right, so where do we go with this? Let's read Acts chapter 10, verse 38 out loud before we go. Listen to what it says up here on the screen. I'll put it up on the screen. And you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, that's somebody could say, well, that was Jesus, and God was with him. 
But did you know that Jesus is in us and God is with us? And as it went with Jesus, he's insisting, and you can see it in the book of Acts. I spent a lot of time in the book of Acts today. One miracle after the other, and in the latter part of Acts, Paul went through all kinds of trials and challenges, but he ended up where he needed to be when he needed to be there, unhindered by the grace of God. And he appealed to Caesar, and they even at one point said, man, this guy would be off the hook had he not appealed to Caesar. He, he could have even gotten out of his mission, but he had said, I want to go to Caesar. So they, had, they were obligated in their system to make sure he got all the way to Caesar. I believe we are in an obligation moment as a people. And God is actually watching over us and saying, I am not letting you coast. I have been preparing you for such a time as this. You guys have been praying and believing God and he's taking it seriously. We go, oh God, give us revival. He is giving us revival. We didn't know what it would look like, but it's gonna look like repentance, and it's gonna look like a real heart change, and it's gonna look like us stepping in and being willing to, coming through something like this, and here you are in this magnificent moment. Here you are watching online, you're waiting, you're, you know, I talked to my doctor yesterday, and he only goes to work and to the grocery store. I said, man, I love how you grow your hair out. He said, I didn't grow my hair out, I just haven't been able to get a haircut because I didn't want to put myself in a, in a hazardous situation. So I said, so my next appointment is like in four months. I said, man, it's going to be all the way down to the middle of your back. He had one of those high and tight, uh, uh, you know, hipster kind of haircuts before. You know, he's got like an amazing head of hair. And uh, now it's like super long. It's awesome. He looked like a doctor from the 70s, you know. <laughs> Which song is that? Let's go to Waymaker. Nice. Put your hand on your heart. Say, I have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the glory would go to God and not to me. Say this with me. God answers my prayers. I am not conformed to this world. I am not intimidated. I will not be bullied. And I will not be manipulated. I am led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord of my life. His word is true. His purposes shall surely come to pass. These signs shall follow those who believe. Healings, salvations, deliverances, miracles, walking and leaping and praising God.